This is Baseball Central with Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. If you're struggling to figure out who's who, Kevin Barker is the one with the accent. Shut up, Jeff. On the Sportsnet Radio Network. Two balls, two strikes. The pitch. Swing and a miss. Manoa has a new career high. 11 strikeouts. Adele's down swinging. And the big Toronto right-hander has another career high mark. I just really love baseball, man. Uh, I really love competing. I really enjoy uh, throwing that little white ball. So uh, every time I get an opportunity, I try and give him off. There he is, Alec Manoa. A monster performance for the Blue Jays last evening. As they pick up the win over the Los Angeles Angels, they will look to win the series later this evening. A 9-30 start here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Shohei Otani up against Jose Barrios in the series finale. Welcome into Baseball Central. Rob Wong in for Jeff Blair today and tomorrow. Joined alongside by Kevin Barker. Lots to get to over the next two hours here on the program today. We will talk about last night's monster performance by Alec Manoa. Of course, 11 strikeouts, a new career high for the Blue Jays rookie as the dream season just continues for the 23-year-old. We'll talk to Joe uh, Joe Siddle of Blue Jays Central coming up at 6.30. And uh, we'll also turn the clock back a little bit. We'll talk to a couple of members of the 2015 Toronto Blue Jays, of course, uh, one of the greatest baseball summers that this city has ever seen. Chris Colabella will join us in about half an hour's time, and Latroy Hawkins will stop by at 6 o'clock. But, Kevin, uh, last night it was the – Alec Manoa show. George Springer tried to steal it there at the end with that uh, two-homer performance last evening, and we'll get to him, of course. But, you know, the 10-strikeout game that Manoa had against the Tampa Bay Rays earlier this season, that was obviously his best start. But, I mean, last night, I think you can make the case, this was probably better despite the uh, final line not looking exactly the same. Well, it, that's the best fastball we've ever seen him yeah. throw. I, I know it was for me. The, the, the two-seamer had really good run to it. It was starting as a strike, ending up as a ball. He could throw it into righties, away to lefties. He could elevate the four-seamer. Uh, he was toying a little bit with the with the Angels, I think. And, and you look, dig in a little bit. You know, he faced 29 batters. He threw 17 strike ones. Uh, he threw what 114 pitches, I believe. He had 19 swinging, uh, swinging misses out of those 114 pitches. He had uh, what 11 strikeouts. Ten of those were swinging. He had five off the sinker, five off the four seamer. Uh, he was really good. Like it's, it's you know, whenever he does something bad and you're watching him, it's like almost that it reminds him that oh, that's not right. That doesn't feel right. Mechanically, I did something. I you know I pull with my glove side to the first baseline. I you know, my, my arm's dragging because I didn't get enough extension. I didn't land, my, my land foot didn't land in the right spot. And he can correct it pitch to pitch where, you know, the slider's not a hanging slider with two strikes. Or he really wants to bite it off so he really gets out there and extends on it. He's really good. Like, it's, you, you know, it's, it makes you wonder. If you, if you need three wins in the season, is he one of the guys you're giving the ball to? I think so. I think it's Robbie Ray, Jose Barrios, and Alec Manoa. So yeah. It's a tough conversation with Hunjin Ryu that uh, Charlie Montoyo and the uh, organization have to have. But if it's three games in a short series, who are you going with? How can you not look at Alec Manoa just with the pure stuff that he has? Um, because, I mean, you say it all the time. Hunjin Ryu, great pitcher, but he's got to think his way through. And in September and October, that's that might not be the best time to, to go to a guy like that who has to get a little creative, whereas you got Manoa who just – 
pure stuff can just get through anyone on any given night. Yeah, you know, you'd, you'd be wanting those wins late in the season. You'd want to stuff your way through starts. You know, stuff. He throws a four-seamer 36% of the time. This is Manoa. He throws a sinker 27.3% of the time. He throws a slider 27.3% of the time. If I'm a hitter and I just look at those stats – and, you know, you sometimes – I didn't because I wasn't a good enough hitter. I was looking for something straight out over the plate until two strikes, and I was going to do whatever I had to do. But if you're a hitter and you just look at percentage of those three pitches, and he can throw two different – two obviously two different fastballs and two different sliders. So how do you go about attacking that? Do you, do you look location? Do you look pitch? You know, do you look, uh, do you look up? Do you look down? It's – you split the plate in half, and then you look at his sinker, and he's only giving up nine hits, and all of those are singles. Like, it's, you know, you don't want to swing at that because obviously you can't get it in the air. You can't hit it hard. Yeah. You know, you're wanting to drive the ball in the, in the big part of the field, so you'll try to eliminate that, but it has so much late run to it that it looks like a four-seamer to the last minute, and it gets you out on your front foot, and then you're getting weak contact. It's, you know, can there be a next level? Could the you know the changeup yesterday was a little hard. He was throwing it. He had confidence in throw it. He threw it a couple of times to Otani early in counts. You know, Otani looks like for me he's trying to create bat speed. He'll get it going a little bit. You know, that may be mental, that may be a physical thing, but you could tell. And he was throwing the changeup. Now that's 88, 89. What if he changes grip and it's 85, 86? And now you're talking about a 9, 10, 11 mile an hour difference between the sinker and the four-seamer. That all of a sudden is taking you to a whole different level. You're more efficient. You can get some easy outs that way. It's, you know, we talked about Nate Pearson coming into the season. Are we talking about Nate Pearson now? No. Not, <laughs> not really. Not really. Not with the way Alec Manoa has been pitching. I mean, Nate Pearson, we are hopeful that he's going to be a part of this bullpen uh, moving forward here in the latter stages of the season. But uh, you mentioned Joey Otani, and he did, of course, get to Manoa there, that uh, slider that hung up in the bottom of the zone there, and Otani sent it to straightaway center field. And, and the one thing that you know has stood out for me for Alec Manoa since he made his big league debut uh, in Yankee Stadium against New York is that this guy does not get rattled by any big moments. And we saw it in the Boston series on the recent homestand as well in that big moment where he gets J.D. Martinez with the bases loaded. And easily last night, I mean, he hung that pitch and was not in a great spot. Otani hits it out, ties up the game. You know, most rookies, maybe it rattles them and they think, oh, geez, I just gave up the game tying homer against the you know running MVP here. I got to get back on track. And he did. I mean, it just really was not an issue after that. He was able to figure it out and, you know, get Sotani later in the game as well with some nasty fastballs. I mean, that's the one thing that I think stands out the most for me about Alec Manoa is the fact that this is a guy that just has so much confidence on the mound that when things go wrong, he's just like, okay, next pitch, let's get back on yeah. track. And for the most part, he's able to do that. Yeah, his his confidence is almost like another pitch. Yeah, you know, I, I used to whenever I was whenever I was trying to play and I was struggling, and I would go to pitchers and ask, "What are you seeing? If I was facing you, what would you throw me?" And they would tell me, and and then they would say, "Do you look like you're beat on the on deck circle?" And he's sort of a guy that you know he's not only attacking the guy at the plate. But the guy on the on-deck circle is watching what he's doing, the stuff he's throwing. Like you mentioned, he, he, ha he hangs a slider to a guy that's probably going to win the MVP. doesn't seem to bother him. It's, it's just that he has such a, a short-term memory of, okay, I, I did that. I don't want to do that again. I know exactly what I did to not do it again, so I'm not going to do it. And the guy standing on the on-deck circle goes, uh-oh, now it's running again. It's elevated. It's, it's just a... You take that part of it, you add the stuff to it, and it's two pitches. That's the whole thing about this. It's not like he's got four pitches. Now he does because one's slow, one's running, 
but it's two pitches. Like yeah. it, it's, you know, it's nothing like you don't have to worry about a, a big slow breaking ball to change eye level of a hitter. The changeup is what the changeup is. That's a work in progress, but it's basically two pitches. And then you add the confidence to it. So that's almost an, another pitch. It's, it's must see TV almost. Yeah. You can say that, right? You Absolutely. can say that it's when he's pitching and you're a Blue Jays fan, you're, Tuning in to watch it because you never know what you might see. Yeah, he's he's fine. I mean, you can see him on the field. He's having fun. Like, how many starting pitchers do you see standing on the top step watching their team hit while they're still in the game? Like, most guys are just sitting yeah. uh, in the dugout, just relaxing, getting ready for the next inning. But he's out there smiling and laughing and uh, enjoying the game. And uh, the offense, obviously, coming up big for him last night as well. And uh, we'll get to uh, Teoscar Hernandez in a moment, who had the big grand slam. But uh, got to start with George Springer. And, and this run that he's on, Kevin, and, and I wrote it in my notes. All I wrote was that... He's unreal. Like, George Springer is just unreal right now. Since the All-Star break, he's got, you know, back-to-back AL Player of the Week awards. He hits two bombs last night. Uh, You know, if he started the season with the Blue Jays, like, I can only imagine, you know, what the conversation would be right now with regards to their record. Because I don't think they would be uh, 11 games over 500. They might be uh, quite a bit higher than that. I mean, what, what can you really say about what he's doing right now? Well, that's why he gave him $150 million is for August and September when the younger guys like Vladdy and Bo on the road going from the east to the west, you know, disrupt uh, rhythm and timing and, and routines. And a guy that's been there and done it before that, that can say, okay, I'm going to simplify this sort of like Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon, you could throw in that mix, too, of it's just simple. He's it, The swing is over and over and over again. For the most part, defensively, you know what you're going to get. They're game changers most of the time because the routine plays boring. But that's that's what you want. On an every, from an everyday player, you want a routine play to be boring. I know when the ball's hit to him, no matter how hard it is, it, it's get hit to them, they're out. Yeah. Ten times out of ten, and both of those guys seem to do that. And I think that's, for me, Looking from afar is why Charlie moved Marcus Simeon right behind George Springer. I mentioned this to you before I went on the air. You got to figure. Vladdy went on the road. He's going up not only against the guy that's probably going to win the MVP. He's 22. He's slumping. And now you got to follow George Springer. Yeah. It's just, it seems like it's just, it's way too much to ask the guy to just be you. And, and a lot of 22-year-olds just don't know how to do that, especially guys that are as good as Vladdy is and has had the year that he's having just to be able to, you know, find your happy place, walk to the plate, and I can't – the plate can't be 21 inches wide. It's got to be 17. I'm going to split that in half so it's about 8 inches wide, right? Because I can't cover the entire thing, and you're seeing Vladdy do a little bit of that. So it's just, it's a, it's, it just it's awesome to watch Springer, Simeon, just simplify it as much as possible, go up and, and just do what they do. Yeah. And in big, big parts of games, big parts of season, it doesn't really change. I am who I am. I'm going to do my thing. If I swing at the right thing, great things are going to happen and we're going to win a bunch of games. And that hopefully will take pressure off of Bo and Vladdy to do their thing. Yeah, you, you would hope that uh, will be the case, especially with the uh, struggles that Vladdy is uh, going through right now. We'll, we'll talk about that coming up shortly as, as well. But Teoscar Hernandez, like I said, with the uh, big swing last night, it, it got me thinking. I mean, he made the all-star team, so he's not a nobody by any means, Kevin. Uh, I think, you know, Blue Jays fans and people that have watched the Blue Jays over the last couple of years have seen what this guy's done at the major league level. But it just made me think, I mean, on how many other teams is this guy like the face of the franchise or a top, you know, two player on a team? 
you can make the case. I mean, Bo Bichette's got, uh, I think, uh, uh, an OPS around Teoscar right now. But you can make the case that for this season right now, he's the fifth best hitter on the team. Like a guy putting up the numbers, Teoscar Hernandez, is the fifth best hitter on this team. He, to me, uh, is such an unsung hero for this season. He's been so underrated and, you know, makes you think, of course, what kind of uh, contract extension he may get down the road here. Um, But, you know, this guy just through and through has come through in such big spots for the Blue Jays this season and has been such an integral part of, you know, getting them to where they've been. So yeah, far let, let's, let me just read you some quick stats. I'll tell you, uh, in August, he's hitting 405. Against lefties this year, he's hitting 360. With runners in scoring position, he's hitting 361. Uh, late and close, which is a stat everybody's been talking about, his slugging percentage is 633. Wow. Means he can hit velocity, means he can lay off the, the slider, strike the ball, that pitch. And for me, the one stat, well, there's a couple. The, the, the K percentage is down. Now, he's not going to walk a ton. He's very aggressive. That Blue Jay way now is why well, take the first one down the middle, work the count. It's not going to do that anymore because the bullpens are so good. Uh, the sweet spot is up percentage, which is a big deal because, you know, the more aggressive you are, the better your mechanics are, the, the more times you're going to find the sweet spot of the barrel. And I, I mentioned it the, the, against the breaking ball this year. This this is for me that takes him to a different level. You saw last night against the lefty. He he was nine days late on ninety three, <laughs> right down the middle, like yeah. it was center cut. Oh oh, right down the middle with bases loaded, and then he gets the next pitch, the slider. I think it was at eighty miles an hour. For me, you can't be looking at that, looking for that, because if I'm thinking along with the pitcher and the pitcher just saw me and the catcher, more importantly, just saw me, I was three days late on the heater. How are you going to sit on a breaking ball? Yeah. That would tell you that gets back to that. You know, he's made that mechanical adjustment, not the leg kick anymore. It's the knee turn with the heel raise. He's got the nice little timing with that where he starts his bat. Tension free, which is a huge deal with with high velocity. You seriously got to be tension free with your hands. He starts it there. The timing with that's really good. And it's then you're thinking about how do I get to my finish? Short to it and long through it. And you start thinking, hearing him talk on his Zoom calls about I was a really bad hitter the other way. Well, that would tell you if he just walks to the plate with the at bat he had with the bases loaded. If you're just thinking right center. Why you do that? You don't want to hit every single ball to right center. But what that does is that gets you short to it and long through it. You want your barrel in the hitting zone as long as possible. And you think about the pitch that he hit out was that breaking ball was right down the middle. Well, if he was thinking, I'm pulling that, I got to get the, you know, the head out because I was late on the heater. If he had that approach, he would have probably rolled over that hit into a ground ball, whatever the case was. But that mindset of thinking right center, short to it and long through it. You got to ask yourself, you need one hit with a runner on second base in the ninth inning. Other than the hot George Springer right now. Yeah. You could argue it'd be Teoscar Hernandez, especially with the stats that I just mentioned. Yeah. When he can get and count leverages. Now, count leverage is a, is a lot of different things. It could be hunting fastball, getting in those counts, not chasing, or it could be uh, it, it could be the, the position of where you want the pitch. Look right down the middle when you get it right down the middle. Don't miss it. And for me, he's one of those guys that you could argue when the situ- when the game's on the line, I'd be okay with him up. Yeah, and we've seen it so many times this year. You know, you mentioned his numbers against the breaking ball, um, but just that ability to go opposite field. Like sometimes, you know, he's got runners at second and third, two outs. You know, maybe some guys would come up, try to hit the long ball. He's fine with, sorry, dunking it in right field, right center. Like we've seen mm-hmm. that so many times. He just flicks the bat. He'll take it, drive in a couple runs. I mean, he has been so good in that cleanup spot. It's just, you know, 
four five in that area. It's just worked out so well for him um, so far this season. And, you know, I always remember, you know, when the Blue Jays got Teoscar Hernandez and they got Randall Gritchick and they tried to take swings on guys like Brandon Drury and Billy McKinney, you know, Ross Atkins, I think he mentioned it, like the hope was one of these guys is we hope will turn into something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Randall Gritchick, he's had his ups and downs, but you know, I think he's found his role in this team, a solid, you know, fourth outfielder, a guy that can, you know, hit against left-handed pitching, guy can be a defensive replacement. Um, but Teoscar was the one guy that hit. And all of those trades that they made, if you get one guy that becomes Teoscar Hernandez, it is worth it. And, you know, it just shows that, it, you know, this front office, they've taken some gambles on guys and it hasn't worked out. But the one they did on Teoscar, it, it's worked out tenfold. Yeah, 30-30 guys don't don't grow on trees. And yeah. he, he's one of them. For me, just with the power the other way, can let the ball travel. He's went home and looked in the mirror and said, I got to change things. I want to be a big leaguer. I got to start using the entire field. I can't, you know, chase and strike out as much. I got to start putting more balls in play, which means that the K percentages went down. He's more aggressive early in counts, which will tell you that he's found something mechanically that he's confident and it's repeatable that he can do over and over and over again. And he's not waiting to, you know, to work counts. He's very aggressive in those kind of things. It's right. If you, if you could have him, Bo and Vladdy for the next five years, you okay with that? Yeah. And George Springer. That's not, not bad. too bad. Not, not bad at all. That's uh, that is for sure. Uh, so we talked about a lot of the good in uh, Manoa Springer, Teo. Uh, we got to talk about uh, the bad and uh, that's Vladimir Guerrero jr. Right now. Mm. And to be honest, you know, I'm not terribly concerned. Like, do I think he's going to be struggling this poorly for the rest of the season? I do not. I think we see it all the time. Uh, we saw it with George Springer. We've seen it with Marcus Semyon. You're going bad, and you're like, is this going to happen forever? And then all of a sudden, you, they get out of it. And George Springer is doing what he's doing. Marcus Semyon became the player of the month in May. Uh, this is really the first time that, that Vladdy's really going through it right now. I mean, you're the guy, you're the hitting guru of, out of us too. Well, what are you seeing with Vladdy at the play right well, now? Well, in, in August, you look at some of his stats here. In August, he's hitting a buck 78. Uh, his, what is it? His on-base percentage is 245. It's not great. You, you, you can tell that the league's made an adjustment to him. Now, when he faces a bunch of righties, now they obviously have, you know, different arm angles and they're throwing hard. But for me, when, you, when you've noticed, it's more movement. You're, you're trying to let him get himself out because when he forces them on the plate and don't chase the close one, the pitcher's pitch, like we saw up until August, that's exactly how it looked, was I'm trusting what I do mechanically, what I do before the game starts, you know, my, my video work, all of those things, watching how this guy pitched to somebody that's similar to me two weeks ago, and he'll break that down in counts and sequences and all those things. For me, it's not mechanical. I, I know it could be a little he's rushing and it could be he came home to the Rogers Center and wants to perform and, and be good. He's hitting behind George now. You want to be just like George or better. You're fighting for that kind of thing. For me, it's what he's swinging at. You know, it's the sinker in, it's the slider away. And I just mentioned that's played to 17 inches. At the big league level, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can't cover 17 inches consistently. You just can't do it. These guys are too good. Mm-hmm. They'll make it look like it and dive off the plate. And you're seeing that. He's chasing. That plate for him is about 21 inches. He's got two in, two inches in, and two inches away. It's just too much. Like it's fanny out away with the <laughs> all-armsy swing. Yeah. And then the end, you'll see he goes back leg city, and it's that jam shot. He hits the shortstop or he pulls that foul. For me, it's give him one or the other. 
don't don't change anything mechanically you do. It's how do you go short to it, long through it? We just mentioned Teo. Mm-hmm. Teo. It's how quiet can you be to get to that? And for me, it's what you swing it. These guys are too good, know too much about their swings. Now it's just it's simplifying as much as it's like Otani and I. Otani righties, I mentioned this to you before we went on the air. Righties are hitting 148 against him. That would just tell you right there. Stop looking at stats against him. That would tell you he's real tough on mm-hmm. He throws hard and got a real good slider and the cutter. You can't, you can't cover all three of those. You, you split it in half, you give him one or the other. It, it's how you're feeling that day. The, the, the batting practice that you will take will tell you where you should be looking on the plate and simplify that much and swing at a good pitch to hit. That, that's it. Don't change anything mechanically because when you start doing that and then something else starts trying to catch up and, and you're late with something else and then you start to have a worse season. Like, you're, you know, he's had a great season. You don't want that to start to fall off. And people that are younger that don't really understand mechanically what they're wanting to do make big changes, whatever that is. We've seen him have a two-strike approach this year, which is very weird. Yeah. Widening out, trying to do things because of where his team was at. We don't want him doing that. Just simplify it enough that it's what I swing at. I'm not going to let you dictate what I want to do at the plate. I'm going to do it myself. If he does that with all the talent that he has, he'll be just fine. And, and I know when I was playing, I didn't have the talent Vladdy has offensively, the bat speed and the hand-eye coordination. I didn't have any of that. But it's just a fact of who are you as a hitter? You want the ball away? Do I want to? Hit, do I want to hit everything off of Otani to right center today? Well, to do that, I got to get that pitch so I can do that with it. And until two strikes, I'm not swinging at anything else. That's what he needs to get back to. And if he does, because of all the things that he can do offensively, he'll take off and they'll win a bunch of games. In all right, we'll get uh, more into it later, but uh, let's get a little quick preview of. Tonight's game between the uh, Blue Jays and Angels. Blue Jays looking for the series victory. 9.30 start here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ben Wagner, will have the call. Of course, you can watch it on Sportsnet as uh, Jose Barrios will make his third start for the Blue Jays up against Shohei Otani. If you were facing Otani, what would be your game plan for a guy that throws 100, has got the nasty splitter, uh, like you mentioned, slider cutter uh, against the righties as well. Uh, what, what's your game plan stepping into the box? Well, he, he don't like throwing splitty to a lefty, so I wouldn't look for that. And if, if even if you look for it, it's probably not going to hit it because it's really good. Batters are hitting .84 off his split. <laughs> so just by seeing that number, why would you even think of looking for a splitty? That, that would make zero sense. If it's me, I didn't really like the ball in. As hard as he throws, if he gets it in there and me being left-handed with my natural uppercut, he would try and elevate that. So I'd try and lay off that until two strikes. So I would look down in the middle of the plate away from me until I got to two strikes, and then you do what you have to do with two strikes. But against these guys who are hot and pitching the way he's pitching, obviously he can locate multiple pitches. So you can't try to cover everything. You got to give him something until you have to choke up and try and flip something to left field. But it's be simple with it. Look right down the middle or middle away and look down maybe, depending on if you're lefty or you're like Corey Dickerson likes the ball down. Well, why would you go to the plate and look up? That yeah. makes no sense until you get to two strikes. So it's very individual, but you play to your strength. Don't try and hit his strength because if you do, you'll, you'll be a real quick over three. 
And I guess if there's, you know, one weakness that you can point at with Otani, it can get a little bit wild. I yeah. mean, he walks a, a lot of batters from, from time to time. So, you know, would patience be something that you would recommend to the, the Jays hitters tonight that maybe this is a guy that you don't want to be swinging at first pitch. Maybe you want to wait it out a little bit to see what he's got that night. Yeah, well, there's a handful of people that have patience in this lineup because they are a very aggressive team and they've hit a lot of home runs on first pitch. And I, not for me. I think the later you get in counts against guys like this, the the more chances he's got of throwing a good slider, throwing that late breaking cutter, throwing that elevated fastball at 101. I don't want to see that. So if he throws me something that I'm looking for a middle away that's straight, then I'm going to try and put my best swing on it, and I'm going to try and barrel that up. And it's, you know, you don't make your living off guys like this. These are number ones <laughs> yeah. at the big league level. You you fight and claw to do whatever it takes to play pepper with the baseball. And to do that, you have to get a good pitch to hit in the area that you want it in. And it's you against him. And I, that, for me, is a little bit of what it has to be, is i got to stick my nose in there, and I'm going to get after you. You're not going to make me look bad at the big league level. i got an ideal up here, and I know you're pretty good. So if they do that consistently, this lineup's really good. They'll have a, a good chance of... But again, it starts with Brios. Brios has got to match him for a while. Mm -hmm. And and hopefully Otani will hang something, throw one down the middle to somebody that's hot and they can get a big hit when it matters and and hopefully win a game and win a series. Yeah, that would be nice. We'll get uh, more into it coming up later with uh, Joe Siddle, Blue Jays Central. He'll join us at 6.30. But coming up next, we'll chat with former Blue Jay, Chris Colabello, reminisce a little bit about the 2015 playoff run what was that experience like for him the blue jays trying to mirror it here in 2021 it is baseball central rob wong and kevin barker here with you on sportsnet 590 the fan now back to more baseball central on sportsnet 590 the fan It is Baseball Central here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Rob Wong in for Jeff Blair today and tomorrow. Joined alongside by Kevin Barker. Blue Jays and Angels wrapping up their series tonight in Anaheim. It's a 9.30 start right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Ben Wagner with the call. And, of course, you can watch it on Sportsnet. Shohei Otani against Jose Barrios. You definitely do not want to miss this one tonight. Coming up later in the program, we'll chat with former Toronto Blue Jay LaTroy Hawkins who was uh, doing some TV work on uh, the internet, if that makes any sense, doing some YouTube stuff yesterday with the uh, Twins broadcast. Uh, we'll also talk to Joe Siddle of Blue Jays Central coming up in about an hour's time. But right now, pleased to be joined on the line by another former Toronto Blue Jay. It is Chris Colabello. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, we're good, man. It's uh, an exciting time uh, here in Toronto once again with the Blue Jays trying to make a playoff push, uh, which is something that you were very familiar with back in 2015 in your uh, first year with the ball club. I mean, obviously for you, that was such a whirlwind season considering how it began for you prior to the season leading into your call up to the majors. And then that just incredible run in the uh, second half, one of the best summers, I think uh, Blue Jays fans have ever seen in this city. I mean, I imagine you think about that year quite often. I mean, what stands out to you when you look back to six years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think about it pretty much every day <laughs> if I have to be honest with you um uh talking I talked to stay in touch with a bunch of guys I talked to Jose quite a bit uh Aaron Sanchez Devin Travis Scogo KP uh we uh, Josh Tolley actually too I just cut off the phone with him so and Latroy you guys mentioned Latroy um but we we talk about it all the time uh I think for all of us it was an experience that really can 
almost never be matched. Uh, the intensity and the, the passion of the fans in Toronto, we felt it day in and day out. It was spectacular. I mean, uh, it was almost like the stars aligned, I would say, because obviously not having been to the playoffs and, and as long as, as the city had, had gone without being there, um, and really just the group that we put together and melded uh, to become kind of the unit that we were, and it was awesome. I think we we fed off the fans, we fed off the city, we fed off uh, every bit of it. Obviously, the moves that got made at the deadline to get, you know, Price, Tulo, uh, Latroy, Mark Lowe, Ben Revere were uh, inspiration to us, and it was uh, it was pretty special. I mean, I don't think. I really don't think I'll ever experience anything like it ever in my life. And I think a lot of guys that are either still in the game or had, you know, playoff runs after it uh, would tell you that there was nothing quite like it. Chris, how hard was it down the stretch when the lights were a little brighter, every single pitch, every at bat meant what it meant down the stretch? How hard was it to, to just stay within yourself, be yourself, don't expand to have that same approach that you were having early in the season? Certainly, I, I think a lot of players feel pressure in those moments. Personally, I enjoy those things. I, I, for whatever reason, I think they help me kind of channel uh, the best version of myself. Uh, and, and I would say that for the most part, that whole team was like that. We couldn't wait for the lights to be brighter. Uh, and I think that's why we, we really excelled. Uh, you know, we get down 2 nothing in Texas, uh, and then I would say we played as good a baseball as we played all year in terms of just the way we competed and really not going away. And even when we got behind in, uh, in game, in game five there, uh, and obviously down the stretch when we knew we had some ground to cover on the Yankees, but when we, the day we traded for price, we were, we were seven games back. And I think we all looked at each other and knew that was going to kind of be the, uh, the piece that we needed to just push us over the top. And we felt like we'd won the division that day. It was crazy to say that, but, uh, there wasn't a guy who I think shied away from it. Uh, certainly, I think it manifested itself that way. Uh, but it, it definitely can be a challenge, right? Like, especially if, you know, I'm watching the current Boston Red Sox, right? And you see the middle of that order putting a little bit more pressure on themselves than they need to. Um, and, and, and then sometimes expand the zone or try to do a little too much. But I think our lineup was so balanced in 2015. And uh, part of a, a lot of the discussions people have been asking me, you know, as we get closer to playoff time here in the big leagues, like, what was the difference? And I said, if you look at, you know, we, we had Russell Martin hitting seventh, uh, Kim Pilar hitting eighth, Ryan Goins hitting ninth. So those guys are, are such, like, they're such, like, Russell's obviously, you know, an all-star. Uh, KP is uh, just such a warrior competitor and a much better hitter than I think people have ever given him credit for. And Gogo probably had uh, his best stretch as a, as a big leaguer in terms of uh, what he brought to the table. So you think about that bottom third of the lineup, and how it was able to take so much pressure off, not only the top of the order, but the middle of the order. And we just flowed so well. So we knew on any given night, it didn't have to be one guy. It didn't have to be Josh. It didn't have to be Jose. It didn't have to be Eddie. And uh, I think that's what we all we all set off of. Okay, I don't know if you've been watching the current team here with the Blue Jays, but if you watch Vladdy, they're, they're moving them around the order. And the theory sort of is that hitting behind George Springer can't be the easiest thing. You know, you see George Springer back going back leg city, hitting all these homers and doing the things that, that George is doing. And then you got a young guy who's really, really good. Who wants to do that? You're the perfect guy to ask this hitting around people like Batista and Edwin and, and Josh Donaldson. Is that an easy thing to separate of not trying to be like them? 
So I would say, all right, for, I'll break this question into two parts, essentially. One is uh, I actually watched the Blue Jays game last night, start to finish, which right. was uh, something I haven't done in quite a while. Um, and I've certainly paid attention and, and followed, um, you know, I'm close with the Bichettes and, and Bo uh, especially. Um, and I, I really like a lot of those young players, and they're great. And obviously getting Springer, that was a huge addition. They're fun to watch. They, they swing the bats well. Um, I don't necessarily think moving Vladdy in the order is really like the issue uh, it, to me. And I, I, I kind of did my own little breakdown last night and uh, I saw something in Vladdy that I hadn't seen earlier in the year. And, and let me tell you something. Uh, he was as good as anybody I've ever seen uh, for a pretty good four month stretch there, three and a half month stretch, whatever it was. And uh, it could be a combination of, of, you know, coming back to the home fans in Toronto, maybe being a little rundown later in the year. It, it could be a combination of factors, but it looks like he's trying to do a little bit too much, uh, even from a movement standpoint. Um, like, you know, it's funny. I, I literally, I don't know why this happened, but it just kind of dawned on me right away. And I, I saw him uh, look like his barrel tip was getting a little too steep, a little bit further out than it had been earlier in the year. Cause early in the year, he was just cleaning out everything and, uh, part of what I saw early in the season was uh, a guy who's especially playing in Dunedin where the wind blows out to right center pretty often. I think the whole team really took advantage of this, and especially for the righties, it helped build in a really good approach at hitting. Uh, so when you're thinking about right center field a lot of times uh, as a righty, that, that's really beneficial. Uh, so that kind of leads me into the second part of the answer where uh, I used to hate hitting in the group with, uh, with Josh, Edwin, and Jose. So if there was a day where the three of them hit one, two, and three, or I hit in their group, um, I would see these guys just hitting just like balls into the fifth deck. And certainly there's a part of me that wants to do that, right, and knows that he can. But for me to prepare, and obviously I think anybody that remembers me was, uh, you know, I was a guy who wanted to use right center field, and I think that was what made me good. Uh, there's a reason why I hit 321 that year. It, it was because I'm, I'm not afraid to use the whole, the whole field, and especially the big part of the field. I can use my extension, get my arms away from my body. And so when I would hit in their group, like this temptation would, would come over me to kind of just want to do what they did so I didn't look like an idiot because, you know, you're hitting with those three guys in a group. So I always ask Gibby to put me in group two no matter what. Um, but, yeah, so it, it can be a combination of factors. Certainly the move in the lineup for Vladdy could, could be a part of it. But I think uh, there's, like, a little thing that I'm sure he'll figure out on his own. But, um, you know, I, uh, I want him to finish as strong as, as he started just to, to see what it can look like because I think, you know, he's proved to pretty much the whole world that, you know, there's some special stuff in there, uh, quite a bit like his dad. Yeah, he had uh, an incredible four months, like you said, at the beginning uh, of the season. And I, I think we all believe that he'll figure it out eventually. Chris Colabello, former Blue Jay, joining us here on Baseball Central. Rob Wong and Kevin Barker with you here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And, and you were talking, Chris, before about, you know, the pressures that, you know, guys have to go through. And I know you mentioned uh, about on Twitter about a month ago, you know, you were talking about um, how hard it is, you know, to be really good at uh, being a major leaguer, being a hitter. And you go through all these mental struggles, of course. And I don't think we'll, you know, ever the three of us ever understand the type of pressure that Vladdy is facing that he's had for such a long time with, uh, you know, his dad being a hall of famer, being the number one prospect 
uh, in all of baseball. Uh, but that doesn't seem like it gets talked about really enough. I mean, not even just sports, but, you know, the mental health aspect of, you know, what major leaguers have to go through because it is a game of failure, right? I mean, you fail seven times out of 10 and you're a good hitter. And for Vladdy to be going through, you know, this right now at this point of the season, I imagine uh, it's got to be pretty tough. I mean, what was sort of the remedy for you uh, during those days where maybe you were doubting yourself uh, back in your playing days? Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of different strategies or tools that you can use. And, and each individual is kind of, different obviously right we're all different uh, we're built different we think different we see different um so for me uh, some of the tools that were really helpful I, I tried to take every opportunity i could to talk to sports psychologists uh and, and try to learn new tricks and i think the the biggest challenge for any athlete and uh the most current example of it is obviously what simone biles went through at the olympics uh pressure can come from a million different places and you don't even recognize it a lot of times, right? Things can be going just hunky-dory, and over the course of a six-month season in baseball, uh, things change. Uh, agendas change. Little details change here and there. You get in a car accident. You get a little soreness, like whatever. You know, your girlfriend breaks up. I say this. I use this example with high school and college kids all the time. I say you never know where that thing is going to come from. You never know where that, that seed is going to get planted from. And it's always a moving target. So being able to live in this kind of existential uh, world where we have to stay consistent, uh, and it's simple to think that, right? It's simple to think, stay consistent with your, with your mindset and your approach. But what happens is the target moves, right? And, and one of the examples that I use is, uh, you know, you have like this sliding scale of, of like, you know, uh, too intense and too relaxed. And let's say your optimal is somewhere in the middle of that. Well, on any given day, any factor could change that, could shift that for you. And personally, it's your responsibility to kind of offset that uh, in the opposite direction. So as, as athletes and as competitors, as, you know, one percenters, alpha males, whatever you want to call them, you see these guys who, who want to achieve. They want to be successful, right? And that usually is dictated by results or how the media is talking about you or what the box score says or whatever. And the difficulty is that sometimes this factor happens and you don't really acknowledge it right away. You don't even notice it. Uh, and that's what people are talking about when they say your mind's moving a little too fast or the game's speeding up on you a little bit. And it's really hard to make physical adjustments if you can't be aware of the mental facet that you're dealing with. So one of the things personally that I tried to do and that I learned to do really late in my career was probably – even after my time in Toronto um, and after going through all the stuff I went through in 2016, uh, I just learned how to breathe. Uh, and it sounds so stupid, right? Um, but you learn how to breathe and be conscious and aware of how you breathe. Cause to me, it was something that just kind of centered me and got me back into the moment really more than anything else. And I remember hearing about Evan Longoria uh, early on and his work with Ken Revisa. And, and one of the things that Evan talked about was, finding a focal point on the field and for him it was the top left field football. And if you remember Evan early on at 21, 22 years old. Oh, I think we may have uh, lost Chris right there. And, uh, oh, sorry, Chris, we uh, just lost you there for a second. I think, I think we got you back oh, now. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't know where I got cut off, but I was just getting into my most eloquent point, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, but I, I was talking about Evan Longoria, uh, early on in his career and he had a focal point he talked about you know seeing the top of the left field foul pole and that kind of brought him back to center and if you watched him early on in his career he was so 
you know, he was so in the moment. It was crazy. It was crazy to watch. He looked like he'd been playing for 10 years. And, you know, you see prospects now who are coming up to the big leagues and, you know, they're going through their struggles. Look at the example of Jared Kelnick in Seattle, who's a really talented player, obviously. Um, and he's had his struggles. So uh, it, it's a difficult thing to deal with. There's no perfect blueprint for anyone, but um, I think it's our responsibility as a, I don't know, a generation of former players to, to kind of try to enlighten the world that like, Hey, it's bigger than just swing mechanics. It's bigger than just these metrics. Like you have to learn how to deal with all this stuff. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Uh, not even for athletes, but just for uh, people in their everyday lives. Uh, Chris, we really appreciate the time today. Thanks so much for doing this and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thanks Chris. Yeah. My pleasure guys. Take care. You too. There's Chris Colabello, former Toronto Blue Jay, and uh, part of that magical 2015 season, I mean, he said it. He basically thinks about it every day. I mean, yeah. I think about it a lot. We're thinking about it a lot right now because of what the Blue Jays are going through. But, you know, I can only imagine for a guy like Chris that, you know, had a short career in the major leagues to be mm -hmm. a part of that. I mean, unfortunately, they didn't go all the way, even though a lot of us felt that that, you know, Blue Jays team was on paper the best team in baseball yeah. in 2015. But, I mean, there he is. I mean, talking about an ALCS championship run, I mean, that that was the pinnacle for, for his career. Yeah, watch, watch the big three guys in the middle of that order. It'd be very hard to go up and, and after watching Jose crack concrete in left <laughs> field to stay inside a baseball and, and soft serve a ball to right center. It'd be yeah. hard to do that. And to be able to even think about doing that in batting practice and, yeah, you know, look, that you can sort of throw that way to towards Vladdy is, you know, you're, you're – is it uh, – okay for you to just take a step back and go simplify this thing as much as possible all that stuff chris is talking about is great mm -hmm. but that's a lot of thinking like you're yeah. thinking about a lot of it's not for everybody stuff. it's hard to yeah. you can overthink it like there's got to be one of those aha moments where it's see ball hit ball i'm pretty good at that yeah like i just simplified that enough and that's what i mean by vladdy's august it's August. Like you just you sort of look at it that way as you my swings are good when i swing at a good pitch Maybe if I don't swing at a bad pitch, I won't take as many bad swings. That's simple. Yeah. And do nothing else. Well, I guess, you know, that's the good thing and bad thing about a sport like baseball is that you get to figure it out the next day. There it is. But the problem is if you're going through it, you got to get out there the next day. So it's yeah. sort of a pro and con there uh, when it comes to struggling and trying to get back on track. And maybe tonight's the night. It's going to be tough against Shohei Otani, but maybe Vladdy uh, gets one on Shohei tonight. And uh, we can talk about that tomorrow. Coming up, we'll uh, chat with LaTroy Hawkins, another former Toronto Blue Jay. Did some... Uh, analyst work yesterday on YouTube as part of the Twins broadcast. We'll talk with him coming up just after 6 o'clock. Joe Siddle of Blue Jays Central will stop by at 6.30 as well to help us preview tonight's ball game. But coming up next, the Yankees and White Sox going to be playing at a different ballpark. We'll let you know what's going on there next here on Baseball Central. Rob Wong and Kevin Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Now, back to more Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. It is Baseball Central. Rob Wong in for Jeff Blair today and tomorrow. Kevin Barker alongside Blue Jays and Angels coming up in just over three hours time. 930 start here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet. Jose Barrios getting the start against Shohei Otani. We'll talk more about that coming up in the final hour. But I uh, did want to spend a couple of minutes in case you're uh, interested tonight. White Sox Yankees squaring off in the Field of Dreams game was supposed to happen last year. They uh, built up the cornfield and all of that stuff to get this one in. $1,400 is the average price to get into this ball game tonight, Kevin. Uh, it's going to be cool from an aesthetic point of view. To be honest with you, though, not a big Field of Dreams fan. No. Like, yeah, it's fine. It's a fine movie, but I'm more like Major League, Bull Durham. Like, yeah. I like the comedic aspect. Like, yeah. 
I got no problem with Field of Dreams, but I don't really have the emotional connection to it like I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I'm, watching not, this I'm not sure I'd want to be on the in the Yankees lineup because who they're facing, Lance Lynn, he's got a, he's having a pretty good season. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's a tough draw. But it'd be fun. It'd be fun if you're a player to go to that and you know walk out of the corn and yeah. be introduced that way and to actually have a chance to hit a home run in corn. I mean, I mean, people could say that that in a big league game, I actually hit a three run homer in corn. That 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 would be kind of cool, right? It's you know it's a it's a I think a different element, and it would be cool until you mentioned it's fourteen hundred bucks of a ticket to yeah. go, go with your family. It's the state price. Yeah, I don't think the average Joe is uh, showing up at this uh, uh, ball game tonight. Lot. I think you might need to know somebody that knows somebody to get into it. But uh, you played at a lot of different ballparks. Did you ever play anything kind of remotely close to something like this, where the aesthetics were kind of yeah. different than a normal ballpark? I was, I was talking to Jeff yesterday about this. The only place that I can think of is is when I played the Columbus. Clippers, I believe it was, and or it was it was a Triple A team for the Cleveland Indians. A left center or right center field, right field line. There's a cemetery. Okay, and I could just remember it because I I was I hit a couple of home runs there. I could just remember I felt really bad. Like it made me feel <laughs> bad for some reason to that I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, disrespectful somehow. Yeah, it's pretty morbid. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you would build a ballpark next to a cemetery to begin with. But uh, hey, if you're, you're looking for some land. I guess that was all that was available. I, I guess I can understand I why. I control when I can go back legs in. Exactly. All right. So coming up, final hour of the program. We will kick things off talking to former Blue Jay Latroy Hawkins, who was a, a big piece of that 2015 bullpen. We'll reminisce about. That's Walsh Dr. Joe Siddle of Blue Jays Central. Stay tuned. Final hour of Baseball Central next year. Rob Wong and Kevin Barker with you on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Sometimes they'll even talk about something other than Flatty Jr. Sometimes. This is Baseball Central with Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Final hour of Baseball Central here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Rob Wong in for Jeff Blair today and tomorrow Kevin Barker alongside Blue Jays Angels wrapping up their series tonight. 9.30 start here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You can also watch it on Sportsnet as Jose Barrios gets the start for the Blue Jays up against Shohei Otani as the Blue Jays will look to win the series this evening before heading out to Seattle to square off against the Mariners. We'll talk to Joe Siddle of Blue Jays Central coming up in about 30 minutes' time. We'll also chat with LaTroy Hawkins, another former member of that 2015 ball club that, uh, of course, we all remember here in Toronto. Blue Jays going all the way to the ALCS. LaTroy, a big part of the bullpen down the stretch. And uh, I'm going to ask him because we've seen it here with a couple of guys in Adam Simber, Trevor Mm -hmm. Richards, Brad Han joining this team. What is that like, you know, joining a team in the middle of the season and they got you for a reason. Expectation. You got to come in and you got to perform yep. because we paid a price. I mean, Troy Tulowitzki obviously was the crown jewel of that deal, mm-hmm. but they got LaTroy Hawkins for a reason. And he was great down the stretch. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, but I'm going to be interested to see what he has to say because mm-hmm. we're, we're seeing that right now with uh, some guys in Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, and uh, Brad Hand, who pitched last night in the ball game, just quickly. I mean, he hadn't pitched in five days. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is a guy that likes to work quite a bit. Um, to stay fresh. Um, but did you have any issue with that, him coming in a 10-2 no, ball game? No, they got, they, got, they got to get him right. If yeah. you're gonna, you know, you brought him here for a reason, experience. He's been there and done it before down the stretch, August and September. 
he's you got to see if you can if he give you something right command a fastball maybe the velocity will go up a tick uh, the breaking ball get a little bit better but it's commanding it's throwing quality pitches hopefully he can continue to do that three up three downs not bad yeah, not about bad. that. Definitely. Hopefully you can uh, keep it going. Uh, Brad Hand with the Toronto Blue Jays. Please be joined on the line now by former Major League reliever, former Blue Jay back in 2015, LaTroy Hawkins, joining us here on Baseball Central with Rob Wong and Kevin Barker. LaTroy, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great. Uh, we had your former teammate, Chris Colabello, uh, joining us about half an hour ago. We were, of course, uh, reminiscing about 2015. And, uh, you know, we were just saying the, the Blue Jays this year made some deals at the deadline, got some uh, relievers and Brad Hand. They got, you know, Adam Simber and Trevor Richards before that. And, you know, you, of course, were put in a similar situation where you came to the Blue Jays in 2015 in the deal with the Rockies with Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, the Blue Jays got you for a reason, and you definitely performed down the stretch. But I uh, I'm curious, you know, what's that like? I mean, you've been around for such a long time. You'd pitched a long time in the major leagues coming into the situation with the Blue Jays. But, you know, to have those expectations of they got you for a reason, they needed you to perform, what, what was that like for you at that point in your career? Well, I was, I always say the Blue Jays got two Troys for the price of one with <laughs> two whiskey and I went over there. <laughs> but, you know, just talking to Alex, uh, the GM at the time, and, you know, he was saying that, you know, Everybody talk about Tula Whiskey being the prize of that that um that trade, and he told me personally, he was like, yeah. I, th- I look at it, we filled two holes uh, on one trade, and we needed that bull we needed that bullpen presence, and that's what we've known for you to bring to every team you played on, and and looking forward for you to bring it to this team as well, that bullpen, and bring that edge, and you know that that made me feel good, but it's. It's always feel good to be wanted. Like, you know, everybody, oh, getting traded. It's a ha-. No, you're going somewhere they want you. And I'll never forget, we're in Chicago, and I I, um, I had my passport with me. So I flew out the very next morning after a late game uh, the night before. And I was getting on the plane, and I got a tweet from somebody from Toronto. And they said, welcome to Toronto, Latroy. We're going to show you how it feels to have a whole country root for you, not just one state or one city. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Latroy, d- down the stretch, you know, you, the, the Blue Jays right now are playing about the, the next 50 games. It's, these are playoff games. I just get your thoughts on uh, being at the back end of a bullpen. Did you have to change anything during these games? Because, you know, you know as well as anybody that how every pitch matters, every batter matters, why you're here, those kind of things. But did you have to change? Did you have a different routine during that stretch that you did early in the season? You know, sequences, the way you pitched, did you pitch more to, to batter's weaknesses, those kind of things down a stretch, playoff hunt? Well, well, when you, you know, when you, in the big leagues, you're going to try, you're going to use your strengths to get a guy out. I don't think it, it matters uh, what part of the season or if you're in a playoff yeah. push and pennant race or whatever it is, you're going to pitch to your strengths. But I do know this, coming from the American, National League uh, West, going to the American League East, there's a difference. There is a difference. That American League East is a beast. It's not, it's not called Beast East for no reason at all. <laughs> it is a tough division, man. It is really tough up and down. Even when the teams that, that – um, that aren't in it in that particular year, they're still very good. And just remember just saying myself, telling myself, going out there, you have to execute. You have to execute. You won't, I won't be able to get away with mistakes like I did when I was in the National League. Because in the National League, and there's no disrespect to anybody else, but you kind of get a break at, at some point. 
doing a, in a lineup. You get a break, and especially sometimes you get the pitcher. You know, you get a guy coming off the bench that's he's probably not a home run hitter, can't take you deep, but he's not a home run hitter. You know, put the ball in play. Well, that's not the case in the in American League. There's no there's no guy that's coming off the bench just trying to put the ball in play. Everybody in the American League is trying to do damage and take you deep. And all those teams in the American League East are they're built like that. And it was just just telling myself you have to stay focused and execute just just to be successful, just to have a chance to be successful in the American League East. Troy Hawkins, former Toronto Blue Jay, longtime reliever, current uh, Twins TV analyst, joining us here on Baseball Central. Rob Wong and Kevin Barker with you. And uh, kind of perfect timing as well, Troy. We're having you on today, and it's Jose Barrios making the uh, start tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays, making his third start. And so far through these first two starts has been as advertised since uh, coming to the Blue Jays in this trade. You've obviously watched him for, for quite a long time. I mean, for people that are just starting to get to know this guy, like I said, it's been working out pretty good so far in these two starts. I mean, what is, uh, you know, Jose Barrios's deal in your mind? What makes this guy such an effective major league pitcher? You know what? I'm just sad to hear him. I was sad to, for him to go, man. That was it's just a tough time, man. And knowing him since he, uh, was a young pup coming up through the Twins organization. Got a chance to know him a lot better once he made it to the major leagues and just spending time with him over the last four years. Just him and his family. Just It, it was tough. It was tough, but I, I've been through that situation. I understand. And what you're going to get is a guy who works extremely hard to be the best he can be. I mean, he, he works so hard that sometimes you have to remind him, like, hey, you need to save a little energy for the game. That's how locked in he is and how much of a perfection, perfectionist he is. He is locked in, and um, he's going to give that team the extra boost that they need. He's going to go out there. He's going to eat up some innings. Um, he's, um, he's a bulldog dog on the mound. And, you know, I always, you know, people talk about his fastball, his, his breaking ball, the horizontal movement. You know, I always talk about when I, when I did the games on television, He's just not a pitcher, man. He is an incredible athlete out there. You guys will probably, hopefully you guys get a chance to see him bounce off the mound and field some ground balls and make some incredible throws and his quick feet holding runners at first base, then they pick guys off and pick up guys off at second base as well. As well. But you guys got a good one. You guys have a very good one. And, and you know, like I said, it was sad to see him go. But I'm glad to see him in a, in a pennant race to have an opportunity to pitch in the playoffs again. Yeah, you know how hard routines are for pitchers, for bullpen guys. Shohei Otani, is is this shocking to you to to see how you know well he's doing both of these? He's not decent at either one of those things. He's great at both of those. And no one, you know, I, I used to try and hit at the big league level. It's hard routine-wise going through the, the mental up, ups and downs. Are you impressed? Are you shocked? with the way he's doing and, and con- continues to do what he's doing. I have a different perspective when it comes to the two-way player, man. You know how I many two-way players we could have in the United States if they allowed us to be? Really? They didn't allow us to be. Once you get drafted, you just, oh, you're going to be a pitcher. You're going to be a position player. What he's doing is, is, is pretty damn cool. I mean, he has some of the big, biggest power that, um, that I've seen. Um, always like Ichiro. Ichiro had 3,000 hits in the big leagues. He didn't hit a lot of home runs. But if you watch Ichiro take batting practice, mm-hmm. your eyes would be like, oh, Ichiro has some serious power. But that's not what he wanted to do. He didn't want to lead the league in home runs. He wanted to lead the league in hits every year. That was his deal. And he didn't sacrifice his batting average for 
you know, for uh, home runs. He wanted to wanted to bat an average and you can keep the home runs. But you know, it's great to see him. It's good for the game. I uh, love how MLB has like embraced it. Um, pumped it. They pushed it hard. I like how they did it in the All Star game where he pitched the first inning and then he let off. I love that. I mean, anything that's good for the game, I'm I'm down for that. But I always say, I always revert back, and I'm not hating, mm-hmm. but I think there's a, we can do that. There are a lot of players in the United States that can do that, but they won't allow them to. They won't allow them to. Well, I was going to say, Latroy, I mean, just based off your comments there, I mean, do you think this could be sort of the, the beginning of that next evolution? I know, you know, there's a few players down in the minor leagues. The, the one guy jumps to mind, I think it's Brendan McKay of the Tampa Bay Rays. He's trying to become a right. two-way uh, player as well. We've seen some guys get drafted recently that, you know, could be, uh, that could be in the future as well. Do you think that, you know, now that we see, I mean, he's such a unicorn that maybe not everybody can do it uh, on such a consistent basis. But do you think there's a, a team out there, a franchise, an organization that says, you know what, like we've seen it can work now. Maybe we should be trying to do this more often. I don't think a lot of people will be pushing for it because now you cut down your roster. You kind of like handcuff yourself with moves that you can make. Um, it's, it's a lot of, lot that goes into that. Um, but I saw Tony, man. I don't, people talk about his power, his fastball. I like. Have you seen him run? <laughs> he runs like the wind. It is so impressive to see him run. A great athlete, but I don't think it, it, it ever happened. Um, probably a couple guys, but it won't be an influx of two-way players. No, not at all. That messes up the roster, and you have to make different moves that you normally wouldn't have to make. You know, and, you know, it comes, it, it rolls back to, you know, everybody was upset about the way the Angels handled Pujols, but, you know, Otani was the reason why that happened because he was just way more productive. Him and the first baseman, Walsh, they were way more productive at that time. And, and sure, he needed to get those at-bats, those at-bats that, that Pujols would have been getting. So I understand how that played out. But, you know what, it's good for the game. If it's good for the game, I love it. I'm all about baseball. Yeah, it's been such a magical season so far, and uh, we'll see what he can do down the stretch here, pretty much uh, leading the way for AL MVP uh, at this point. LaTroy, we uh, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing it. All right, thank you, guys. All right, take care. There's LaTroy Hawkins, former Major League reliever with the Blue Jays back in 2015, currently a uh, Twins TV analyst as well. And, you know, he would love to see it. Of yeah. course, the two-way player, but are you on the same page I, I, that you just don't think it's going to be, you know, a new wave of uh, yeah, two-way players? I, I think it's hard. I think routine-wise, I don't. I just don't think there's any money in it. I, I, because if you look at it this way, say you get hurt on the mound, you you pull an oblique. Well, now you can't hit. Yeah. So so what if you're now you're out doing both things and you're getting paid to do what? Like it's. Right, it's it's just one of those things. I could get, if I'm excellent at one thing, I'm going to get paid at the highest end. Well, what if I'm okay at both of them? Then what do you get paid? So it's you're you're playing. This is your job. You're t- paying. You're playing to to make as much money as possible. And I just don't. You know, he's a like you said, he's a unicorn. Like yeah. this this at this level that he does it. You know, the the two and a half ERA, the the hundred mile an hour fastballs, the split fingers that nobody can hit, and then he can hit fifty homers. Uh, like it just it, it doesn't come around all the time, and it will be interesting to see if he continues to do this. And when he's a free agent at thirty, mm-hmm. how much he gonna make? How much would you give him at thirty? And if he can continue to do this, because you know the thirty is the new forty now. 
in Major League Baseball. So are you going to give him a bunch of money, or is it more beneficial to him to say enough of that? I can win 20 games as a pitcher, or I can hit 50 home runs for the next 10 years. So it's it'll be interesting to see. You know, it's fun to watch, and it's fun to, to say that he's one of the only ones that can ever do this at this level. But will he do it next year? Will he do it the year after? Yeah. That's the question for me. Well, and, look, I agree with you guys. I mean, there's definitely, you know, cons uh, to trying to do this as well, like you just laid out. But, I mean, I'd find it hard to believe that there's not kids right now, not even just Japan, but, like, all over the world watching this me like, I want to do that, right? Like, they, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, you grow up playing baseball, maybe coaches, whatever, you know, you go to school, they won't let you do that. Minor leagues, they won't let you do that. But I'd find it hard to believe there's not kids watching this right now being like, I want to do that. And that's what makes me think that maybe we're not going to see it to this level, but I'd be surprised if, you know, 20 years from now, we don't see a few guys try to so, try to replicate. So it's many tough. ups and downs, tough, right? Man. You you have issues throwing strike one. You have yeah. you have issues with maintaining velocity. You have issues at like Vladdy swinging at everything. And and how do you fix all this at once and be really? Good? It's just yeah. it's it's just a, a lot to ask. You can tell mentally, physically, he's capable, prepared. You know, he's prepared himself for probably years to to do this at this level, but just where would you start? When would you even ask a person to, it's okay to fail and, and lose three games in a row on the mound. Yeah. We haven't seen him do that. What if he does do that? Can he handle that? Can he handle going Oh, for 30, Oh, for 40. Like it's, we haven't seen that. So we really don't know the answer to that, but it's a, it's a big question going forward because he's in this to make a ton of money. He came over here because he knows that he can make a ton of money, but he can probably make a lot more money doing one or the other and not both. Yeah, uh, there's a reason. We've only uh, seen this basically twice within the last 100 years yep. with uh, him and Babe Ruth. It's very difficult to uh, try to do it at uh, this level. And, you know, it's interesting to hear LaTroy's uh, comments about 2015 and him having a conversation with Alex Anthopoulos back then. And Alex said, look, we wanted to get Troy, but we also wanted to get you. And you've helped complete that. And that sort of gave him the, the boost to know, go out there like, okay, I'm a part of this team that didn't just add me as a throw-in. I'm here to to compete. And as he said, I mean, it's the AL beast for a reason. Yeah. Uh, it's not the uh, AL least or yeah. you look at what was going on in the NL West at that point. And, you know, Adam Rich or, you know, Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, and I guess Brad Hand to a certain extent. I mean, I know they haven't played all of the uh, AL East teams at this point since coming over, but, you know, for Simber and Richards specifically to come in here, I mean, Richards has pitched in the AL East yeah. before, but Adam Simber, a guy that's pitched in Cleveland, pitched mm -hmm. in the National League. I mean, for those guys to come in here and do what they've done so far right. at such a high level, I mean, that's that's really impressive. Yeah, what, what do you think he would have called the East if he'd had to do his pitching in Dunedin and Buffalo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, see, see, it's you, to, to even say where the Blue Jays were at when they came when they actually got to the Rogers Center, where they're at now, they were above 500 when they got here. The, what the rotation, what Ryu, what Ray, what the bullpen, all of these guys had to go through to pitch away from right center in Dunedin to you know not hang a breaking ball in Buffalo. It's just Right, it's it's a it's amazing just a season they've had that's evolved into they actually got a chance. All right, it's you know when you add the element of coming home and having everybody root for you, and I can remember Buffalo, Bo was being booed yeah. against the Yankees. Right, they're they're rooting against him in the ninth inning to get out. It's you know it's a lot to ask young guys, and now they're here, and now they're taking off, and and I just hope that everybody in the lineup can get hot all at the same time for about fifteen days in a row. Can you imagine? Like, like, like one through seven, you know, all of a sudden Randall Gritchick is starting to just hammer baseballs and hitting <laughs> homers and, and Lourdes is short and quick to the ball and swinging at strikes and, and Vladdy does Vladdy things. And 
you know, Bo continues to, to, you know, make adjustments and start hitting more fastballs. Can you imagine everybody hot at the same time and then have the same rotation you got, how much pressure it would take off of Charlie and mm. Petey not to have to make the exact right move at the exact right time when they go to that exact right arm in the bullpen? That, for me, is what I'm looking for because now everything's lined up for him to do it. Now it's up for, up to them to do it. Yeah, and that's what we've seen with this offense. I mean, uh, Mike Petrello of MLB.com wrote about it the other day that, you know, basically since the beginning of July, this team has not uh, really faced them any high leverage situations for yeah. their bullpen because they've just been destroying everyone yeah. offensively. And last night was another perfect example. It's 10-2 by the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I could have gone into that ball game and felt pretty comfortable. And glad he's hitting under 200 in August. Yeah, exactly. So the offense, you know, just needs to keep churning here for this Blue Jays team to uh, win some more games down the stretch. Uh, some news as well. Buffalo Bison saying that uh, Kevin Biggio said to begin his uh, rehab assignment tonight as they will host Rochester. And not that, you know, it's necessarily out of sight, out of mind, but you mentioned all the guys that are here right now. This is the yeah. focus for this Blue Jays team and for Blue Jays fans. Kevin Biggio is sort of on the back burner at this point. Still got, uh, you know, a month and a half left here down the stretch. I mean, how do you see his role well, on this team? I, I see long-term. I, I like Kevin. I think he's one of the three amigos. You know, he's a little bit with Bo and Vladdy. Uh, I just want to see if he could stand straight up and down through his swing. If that would level out his swing enough that if he starts hitting fastballs, he's got enough bat speed. He's got enough hand-eye coordination. He thinks left center all the time. What if he just has a better mechanical upper half? Like he's more straight up and down than that having that bent upper half, which creates that big uppercut in his swing. What if he could level that out? and be more driving down and through it, thinking more left center. That That's the intriguing thing. Defensively, is he going to game change it? Nah. You know, could he play second base every day and hit eighth if he's made some mechanical adjustments offensively? Think about that. Does he, Do you have to be a great defender playing second? I don't know. Could he play third base every day? Probably not. Fast twitch muscles, arm strength, that kind of thing's lacking, but... A lot of that will determine on if they want to re-sign Marcus Simeon and, and mm-hmm. what they're going to do with that, but... I don't think Kevin's out of out of out of sight, out of mind kind of thing, but I just think he needs to overhaul what he does offensively. And can he do that? He's been doing it obviously for a very long time. And that would be a big, huge mechanical adjustment. Can he? What if he did? Yeah. Would it make make a huge difference? It could, he catches the ball right at him defensively. It's the special play. It's the backhand. Maybe he's not real great at, you know, moving his feet. He's not great at, but second base, they, you know, they're good enough analytically to put him in the right spots all the time. So, you know, he's a, he's a, he's, he's going to hit eighth or ninth and, and maybe play second. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not sure what to make, what to make of this season specifically because, you know, he's been banged up all season long. He's dealt with the hand. Yeah dealt with the neck, back. I mean, it's obviously been such a tough season for him up and down. The numbers have not been remotely close to what they have been the last couple of years, but very much as well, it could be the league's making adjustments. They've figured out the weakness, as you pointed out, in in his swing. Is this the real Kevin Bichon? Now it's up to him to adjust back. So as much as, you know, I want to say that, uh, you know, the last couple of years is is Kevin Biggio, this could be Kevin Biggio as well. Like, it's so hard for me to figure out what's real and what's not with, you know, the numbers and what we've seen. Yeah, so I far think Ross season. and Mark have put all the players on notice. This is a, this is a performance-driven league now. Yeah. You, you, you see how many people they DFA and send down. They're not messing around now. Yeah, Patrick they, Murphy. They have, a, they have a window. Now, I, I was in the camp that I didn't think Patrick Murphy's a big leaguer. That's just me. Yeah, I think you got to have a little bit more command of your secondary pitches, but that's me seeing from afar. I just think they put people on notice. You come here, it's performance-driven. we got a window. Bo and Vladdy, are they both going to be here in five years? 
I mean, they, they continued to grow and put up giant numbers. You're talking about paying two dudes of upwards of 300 million bucks. Can you do that? Mm. Do they want to do that? So they got a window. So you're seeing that urgency from people that are running this team. And Kevin's, you know, that's, it's put up or shut up times. Basically, I think the, the, the whole gist of this is he has a weakness. They're not nibbling anymore to get him out. They're coming right after him. It's up to him now to make an adjustment. Yeah, and it helps that, you know, for the Blue Jays with the, the run that they're on, they've got some guys that have stepped there, into this role. I mean, Santiago go. Espinal, again last night, uh, making fantastic plays at yeah. third base, coming up with a big base hit. And, you know, Bravik Valera has come up here and hit 300, right? Like, who would have thought Bravik Valera would have had an impact on the 2021 Blue Jays at the beginning of the season? But you've got two guys there that are performing, as you just said. We talk about the one game. You can argue who who's starting it, but defending it. Is Kevin anywhere in that lineup? Probably not. No. There's your answer. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, you're really looking to uh, get a little bit on both sides of the ball. And uh, right now, Espinal is giving it to you at the plate and in the field. Coming up, we will chat with Joe Siddle of Blue Jays Central. We'll talk about Vladdy's struggles, of course. We'll take a preview of tonight's ball game. Jose Barrios making the start for the Blue Jays up against Shohei Otani as he faces the Blue Jays for the first time this season. It's a 9.30 start here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan and Sportsnet. Joe Siddle coming up next here on Baseball Central. Rob Wong and Kevin Barker here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Now, back to more Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Rob Wong, Kevin Barker with you here on Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Just uh, about three hours away from first pitch, Blue Jays and Angels. Final game of the series, Blue Jays looking to win it. And what a pitching matchup we got tonight. Jose Barrios making his third start as a Blue Jay up against Shohei Otani. It's going to be a lot of swings and misses in this one, I think, tonight by uh, both teams. And hopefully it's uh, more swings and misses on the Angels side of things as the Blue Jays try to Keep pace here. The Oakland A's just continue to roll, Kevin. 17-0. They beat Cleveland today. The uh, Rays maybe doing a little, a little bit of favor for the Blue Jays. They lead Boston 4-1 to right now. And, of course, uh, later we'll see the Field of Dreams game coming up between the Yankees and White Sox. So that's your quick look at the out-of-town scoreboard. I said it to, earlier, to you uh, earlier. I don't even think about Seattle anymore. They're yeah. uh, taking on Texas at this point, And the Blue Jays obviously heading to Seattle after this series. But, uh Seattle winning today, so, I mean, that's obviously good for them, but uh, the Blue Jays have a chance here on the weekend to pretty much put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, Seattle's there. five and a half back in the wild card. Uh, correct, yeah. Now yeah, five yeah. back after the win. Yeah, yeah. The, the Blue Jays can separate them. They, they can knock them out. If, you know, you go in there, you take two out of three, you sweep them, which, right, it's you have better at bats. You get a, a couple of guys hot who aren't hot now. You continue to pitch the ball the way they are. The Blue Look, the Blue Jays' rotation all of a sudden is, for me, the best in the American League East. I don't know about you, but I can match up one through four with the Blue Jays with anybody else's one through four in the American League East. Yeah, I think that's going to be big. Uh, interesting pitching matchups. The uh, Blue Jays haven't announced it yet, but uh, Chris Flexen, Yusei Kikuchi, and Logan Gilbert are going to be going for the Mariners this Kikuchi. weekend. So those are their best three guys. Yeah, yeah, it's, gonna, yeah. it's not going to be easy on the road. They're going to play good ball. Again, it starts with the guy standing on the mound. You know, the Blue Jays are going to have to match what, whatever Seattle's pitchers are doing. And of the obvious things. Don't beat yourself. Don't run into outs. Make the routine play. And, you know, sooner than later, Vladdy's going to have to start becoming Vladdy again and, and zoning up a little bit better, which I'm sure he will. He'll he'll figure out what needs to be done and, and start hammering balls and, and getting a bunch of hits and doing 
George Springer things. Yeah, I think uh, George Springer things would be great for anyone uh, at this point with the season that uh, he is currently having. Just uh, incredible numbers, career high numbers, really at this point for uh, George Springer. Might not have uh, might not have had a hotter run uh, in his major league career. Still don't have a lineup for the uh, Blue Jays yet, as we are uh, three hours away from uh, first pitch. But if we get it before we uh, send you off. Uh, just before 7 o'clock, we will let you know. It's going to be right-handed heavy. That much uh, we can tell you tonight against uh, Shohei Otani. The uh, Oakland A's, like I said, picking up the 17-0 win over Cleveland today. What do you make of them? Like, are you buying that the Oakland A's are, you know, legit, legit contenders here? They've, they've got a really strong rotation. Guys like Chris Bassett have really stepped up this year. Sean Manias had a really strong season. They make the trade for Starling Marte. Yeah. Hitting but 400, it, I think, somewhere yeah, around there, stealing all kinds bad. of bags. Jan Gomes, a big pickup yeah. for him. Are you buying it? I, I am. Yeah. They, they're, they're the race. They don't spend a lot of money. They don't beat themselves. They play in that ballpark, which is not the easiest to go in. And if you're a hitter, make adjustments. Yeah, big foul territory. You you tend to do things that you normally don't do in other ballparks. So they are they pitch it. They catch it. They get timely hits. They make you beat them. That's that's a pretty good combination for me. Yeah, definitely. Is seven in a row the uh, Oakland A's have won at this point. It is Baseball Central here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Rob Wong, Kevin Barker. Please be joined now by Joe Siddle of Blue Jays Central. You'll see him on the TV in uh, less than three hours' time. Joe, thanks for doing this, pal. How's it going? Good evening, gents. All is well. Uh, great, great. Thanks for jumping on today. What a pitching matchup we got tonight. Jose Barrios against Shohei Otani. I asked Kevin earlier if he was stepping in the box against Otani, what would he do? What would you do if you were stepping in I against uh, Otani? Or would you just exactly, not step in at all? I know exactly Bark's answer. Look for the heater. Yeah. <laughs> Middle away. Ball, right? Middle away. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. I think it's your only chance, Bark, especially left-hander with that split that he throws. Yeah. I think that's what the Blue Jays are going to. You have to focus on his fastball, and you just mentioned a right-handed hitting, uh, right-handed heavy Blue Jays lineup. I would have to think the three lefties got to be in the lineup tonight: Valera and Dickerson and McGuire. I think you have to have them in there against Otani. Uh, I think lefties at least have a shot <laughs> with yeah. with the fastball. You know, he's tough. He's tough. So what you do, you try to increase your chances in any little way possible. And I think if you control. Any one of those lefties in there, it's advantageous. Okay, you, you know, uh, Vladdy, we obviously know, is hitting under 200 in August. Now, the, the old saying is, I, I used to face Kevin Brown a couple of times young in my career, and they'd, all, they'd oh, always oh, say, you, you face those good guys, they get you going. Yeah, that that never worked for me. You know, I, I, I just went 0 for 4 against a really, really good pitcher. Do you think facing an Otani for Vladdy? I, you know, I watched your your thing on Blue Jays Central where you broke it down. He's a little in a hurry with his fluition of his gather and, you know, the timing <laughs> issue and all those kind of things. Do you think facing uh, a guy like this maybe would slow him down, simplify it, force him to look in his zone? My honest answer is no. Yeah. That's the last thing you want to do is be facing a guy like Otani when you're scuffling. And I think when we talk about Vladdy scuffles too, and, and I think any hitter that's been through it, and all hitters go through it sometimes, just the great ones don't seem to, they don't last as long in these little slumps. But it's it's such a it's such a feel, right, Kev? I mean, yeah. I, if, if, you've, if you're getting set to hit, and I say go to your load position, that's great. If you're working on the tee or whatever, then you get in the game. And for whatever reason, when your brain's saying get to that load position, your body doesn't go there. It's a feel, and it, I, it's so foreign when you're in the batter's box when your body is not doing what you want it to do. 
tons of reasons possibly why. And we talked about them last night in that. Could be a little fatigue. It's the end of this late in the season. Everybody's feeling it. And, oh, by the way, that Otani guy's scuffling a little bit at the plate, too. You know, I mean, everybody goes through that at times. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's a magic pill. And I certainly don't think the magic pill is facing Otani. That's no fun. But... All that being said, we know how crazy this game is. He, he might get locked in against a guy like that tonight. Maybe the switch goes on and that timing is found. I don't think you can predict it. And I guarantee you he's in the cage every day working at this, but there's nothing hitting coaches necessarily can do to just make that switch change and say, okay, here you go. You've got your timing back. Doesn't happen that way. Yeah, best Alec Manoa you've ever seen last night. Oh, man, best, best fastball. It's about all he threw, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There is something with that fastball. We've talked about his delivery before. You know, he's a big guy. He's got that crossfire delivery. And I've talked to a couple of big league hitters that have faced him. And the the righties especially, because we know that's he really uses that arm side of the plate, right, with his fastball a lot. I saw him going to the lefties a bit last night, which was kind of cool. I like that. And I think he needs to do that. But when he goes into those righties, it, and I don't think the Angels help themselves much. They're chasing stuff in off the plate, and you've got no chance when you do that. But that fastball is electric. Like, it's not 98-99, right? The numbers sometimes are 93-94, and it's just eating people up. So there's got to be some deception there and some life to that fastball, and that's why you don't need a radar gun to say this fastball is just dominating, guys. Yeah, we did see it last night as well, Joe, on the, I think it was the 108th pitch. He hit 97. Um, you know, he knew, obviously, that was his final inning. He was trying to, you know, max out against uh, David Fletcher there. But makes you wonder. I mean, there's obviously more there uh, when it comes to, to Velo, and, and maybe that's just not his thing. He doesn't need to go out there. We saw it work effectively no. last night. But, I mean, does that sort of give you some hope, maybe, that down the road here, that maybe he could be someone that's pitching, you know, 96, 97? Because if he gets up to there, I mean, look out at that point. Well, and I mean, let's just look at the way he's pitching, though, too. He's doing pretty well doing what he's doing. And I think that that's the key word. He's pitching, right? He's pitching. He's trusting the movement on that fastball. He loves that sinker running it in on righties. And that's pitching. And sometimes young guys like that. And, you know, we're kind of getting to know his personality now. And I'm actually so impressed that he's not doing that. And he's not ramping up early and trying to blow by. He's, he's really pitching. I think he's trusting his stuff. And that's, that's hard to say about a young player coming up in the big leagues to do that. And he's having great success doing it. Hey, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, I raised my hand and I did not think he should have been called up when he was called up. Now, we know the Blue Jays were kind of going through some things and they kind of, they were desperate. They needed to run. But I like to see a little bit more development going on. But he was dominating at AAA. What else do you need to do, right? So I was wrong. But my goodness, he's been impressive at the way he's going about it. Because I don't think you need to see 96 from him. Like, you just don't. If you can reach back and grab it, sure, that's great. But, man, there is something to that fastball. And, and I'm talking to hitters, especially righties, it, it's that angle. Yeah. If you just think about being in the right-handed batter's box and his arm angle out almost behind you, and he's bringing it in there, and it's kind of running in. It's a really steep, weird angle, right, for a right-handed batter. Okay, and you can see because they don't touch him, basically. Yeah, you just mentioned re- reach back and grab it. If, if I would have told you beginning of the season with Jordan Romano, all the things that we saw with the with the squat and the, the walking around in circles in the bullpen and, and how he would run from the bullpen to the mound and seeing this guy, like it's under control. It's, you know, it's, it's like he's throwing a, a flat ground uh, be- between games and that kind of thing. Are, are you surprised that he's able to make big adjustments, that squat thing, and not doing it down? That's a big adjustment. Like, that's that's not something that you can just do and flip it on and throw 101. Like, are you surprised he can do that? Yeah, no, it is amazing what he has done. Now, I think when you, when you consider 
why the change? It's not that he didn't have velocity. It's not that he wasn't finding the strikes. He did it because his hips were sore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he told me that last week at the Rogers Center. He had some tightness in his hips, so it was suggested to him to maybe not do that, so they kind of talked about it. And But, yeah, you're making, like kind of like we talked about the stripling story, right, making these midseason changes. That's not easy. But it seems like Jordan's got the fastball. Like, that's not a real issue, right? He's, the velocity is good. It's, it's the slider that's been the issue. But he's kind of raring back now. And I just think he needs to get back to where the, the point where the hitter has to be aware of the slider. And we've seen him get beat on fastballs in the last few weeks when guys kind of, I think, eliminated the slider because it hasn't been very good for the most part. So it looks like he might be getting a little bit of a feel back. We see him throw a couple good ones. Then he throws a couple of those spinning ones at the top of the zone. So it's not consistent by any means. But hopefully, I'm sure he's still trying to to – get that whatever it is how he's going to be able to get that grip and get it get it improved because he's a two-pitch guy and when he has two pitches going that's when he's best when you've got 98 99 at the top of the zone touching triple digits and the hitter has to be conscious of a slider but when you can eliminate that slider big league hitters as i say can hit a jet airplane coming at him right yeah, they definitely can. Joe Siddle of Blue Jays Central joining us here on Baseball Central. Rob Wong and Kevin Barker with you. You mentioned before the sort of unpredictable nature of, you know, one guys have it click. And that's sort of how I felt with George Springer, that when he first came back from, you know, the quad the second time that, you know, he was going through some scuffles, was batting fifth in the order. And now since the All-Star break, he's just been unbelievable. Uh, Joe, it's, uh, you know, no other way to describe it. He's been one of the best hitters, if not the best hitter in baseball for the last couple of weeks here. I mean, the confidence is through the roof. He's healthy. That's obviously the the biggest thing back in the leadoff spot where he's comfortable. What are you seeing from uh, Springer at the plate right now? Hey, it's George Springer. It's pretty easy, right? Just look yeah. up his baseball reference page. It really, it is. That's, I mean, I, I know a lot of people, and even when he came back and he scuffed a little bit and everybody's kind of worried, I was like, wait a minute here. It's George Springer. He's coming off injury. He hasn't played a lot. Give him some time. I mean, really, that's what you there, – there is just no other way to look at a superstar player than like that. I mean, these guys have been there, done it. They do it year in and year out. Sure, at some point in his career, maybe in two years or four years or six years, it, it might start dwindling, but – no, I, I was expecting it. And, of course, what he's doing right now is remarkable, but that's what superstars do, right? And when, when you're a superstar and you're a great hitter, and then you get hot, <laughs> it's crazy, right? So it's a lot of fun to watch. I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with going to the leadoff spot. I mean, I know that's his spot. I know that's where he's comfortable, but I think it just got more comfortable in the batter's box, and he's ready to rock and roll now, and that's what he's doing. And he is where we all thought, I think, when he signed, right? He signed here to be a leadoff hitter and center fielder, I think. So he's right where he wanted to be. And what's, what's great about all this is this lineup that we've talked about all season long is you got a guy like Vladdy who's scuffling right now. And it doesn't even matter because they kind of keep doing it right. They've got lots of support around. So that's the, that's the benefits of having a deep lineup, especially with George at the top. Doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. What do you think Brad hand has to show them for him to pitch in the eighth and ninth inning? A little bit more like we saw the other night, right? And now it's, it, it doesn't mean as much, of course, when the score's not real close, but right. it was good to get, or it was last night, wasn't it, to, to get some yeah. work in. But the curveball's a big pitch, right? The curveball's a big pitch for him, and I think he's another guy that uh, that curveball guy, the breaking ball got away from him when uh, when the substance ban came along, right? So he's probably trying to figure it out a little bit, too. Look, guys, there's so many pitches in baseball. I'm sure going through this, and it's not easy to, to go to plan B or whatever, plan you're you're attacking here but they're they're they've got to figure it out and that's where he's been best and i think when they acquired him right when they acquired brad hand i mean you immediately go look and it's like wow geez he hasn't been pitching very well and 
not a real up and down kind of rocky season, but you're, you're taking a shot on a guy that he finds yeah. that old form, right? Because you know what he can be, and he can be very valuable yeah. down there. So, but I mean, the, yeah, the fastball break them all combination. He's another kind of like that Mesa two pitch guy, right? Right. And uh, speaking of which, that was a tough loss because Tim's been so good. But that's why now you especially need that right hand to to come forward, right? Yeah, definitely. He's uh, obviously got a big track record there, and uh, we'll see what he can do for the Blue Jays down the stretch. Joe, appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing it, pal. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. Enjoy the night. It should be a great matchup. Yeah, definitely should. There is uh, Joe Siddle joining us here on Baseball Central. Let's see him on Blue Jays Central coming up later this evening on Sportsnet. And, you know, Brad Hand obviously has a big track record. Like I said, the stuff isn't like it was a, a couple of years ago. And, you know, right now, you look at the lefty relievers on this team with the, the Tim Mays injury and Ryan Baraki down in AAA. It's Taylor Sosedo, who, you know, has been yeah. fine. It's been good. Yeah. I mean, Kirby Sneed, we've seen a little bit from him. He's been fine as well. But um, I know the rules have changed that uh, there's no more loogies out there and you got to face the minimum three batters and whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Brad Hand, if he can find it, that is such a big weapon for this. How many, how many chances do you give him to find it? That, that's the big question for me. The, the mile per hour is not there. The quality of the pitches is not there. The hitter tells you that. Like, yeah. it's, it's almost like they're, they'll let the ball travel because they don't respect velocity from him. He, he does have a little deception in the way he releases it and when he gets to his release point and that kind of thing. So it looks like it would be a little hard to pick up, but it just doesn't look like it gets on him. Mm-hmm. I just, whenever I picture him and I see him a year, even a year ago, you could see the breaking ball snapping and, and the and the fastball into a righty and then he would eliminate you with the big yacker. Well, do you, can you really see that now? And that's, when these games mean so much, do you, do you actually give him a chance to go out there and do it? And to give a veteran guy, it's like you started the show with, is it odd to see him pitching in a 10-2 t- game? Well, the more you think about it, it sort of is. Yeah. Like, he's got a he's a lefty. He's got, you know, almost 150 saves somewhere around there. It's That's a lot to to give a guy a chance to figure it out. It's, I don't know, that's be an interesting thing, right? T- Taylor Saucedo's giving, he'll give you a battle. Like, he's got the weird arm angle. He's got enough stuff. He can pitch in. He can get righties out. That three-batter rule, you you feel okay? It's just you got too many okays down there right now, I think. And yeah. you got to go to your sure things, and your sure things can't pitch all the time. That's the issue. And I, I guess, you know, like I just said, there's, there's no more loogies uh, because of the rules anymore. But that's probably the situation that I'm using Brad Hand, to be honest with you. I find a spot where there's a couple of lefties, you know, maybe sandwiched in between mm-hmm. uh, is a righty. Um, and you kind of treat it like Adam Simber. Maybe it's not a perfect comparison because Simber's been great against everyone this year. But you prefer to have him coming in against lefties. Clean and maybe a, Clean in, yeah. nobody on base, couple lefties coming up. Yeah, I think that's kind of the spot you're looking at right now for Brad Hand. The uh, Blue Jays and Angels will get things going in just under an hour's time. Or three hours' time, I should say. Definitely not an hour's time. That will be uh, way too fast. Shohei Otani against Jose Barrios. A 9.30 start here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet. When we continue on Baseball Central, we'll wrap things up. Get you set for that game as it's Rob Long, Kevin Barker with you here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Now, back to more Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Final segment of Baseball Central here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Rob Wong in for Jeff Blair today and tomorrow. Kevin Barker with me. Blue Jays, Angels. Don't forget, coming up, 9.30 tonight here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Blue Jays looking for the series victory. Jose Barrios against Shohei Otani in about as good of a pitching matchup as you are going to see in uh, baseball. 
Quick look at the out-of-town scoreboard here. Rays beating up on the Red Sox 8-1. They're in the bottom of the eighth inning, so that could be helpful for the Blue Jays in the wildcard standings tonight. Not helpful. Oakland beating mm-hmm. Cleveland 17 to nothing. Uh, Yankees and White Sox set to square off in the Field of Dreams game at about uh, 30 minutes' time out in Iowa, so that should be uh, pretty good to see. There uh, some interesting news around the league today, Kevin. Um, I guess if you're a big fan of baseball, but Chris Davis... The uh, former Baltimore Oriole, Texas Ranger, retiring today. It's been obviously a rough couple of years for him uh, after things went sideways. But there was a time. I mean, specifically that year he hit 53 homers. Yeah. I think it was 2015. 130 ribbies or something. Yeah. Around there, 280. There was not many players in Major League no. Baseball that were scarier at the plate than Chris Davis I at that point. I played against him in winter ball, and I, I can remember in like a month and a half, he hit 20 homers in winter ball. Like it was just one of those years where, you know, he was they were throwing it where he was swinging. He just seemed to me like he just never could figure it out. What Whatever it was, yeah, he just couldn't figure it out. And that could have been the shift. It could have been the elevated fastball. It could have been velocity. It could have been a combination of all those things. But, you know, he made his money. He had a couple of good years in there. It's, you know, it's it's one of those mistakes I'm sure the Orioles as an organization would love to have back because that's an expensive mistake. But, you know, I, I did read on there, too, he is they're reworking the, the contract a little bit where I'm sure he's giving a little bit of that back and right. working it around where, you know, he's retiring. And I, th- I think they do have to pay him $23 million next year, and then they'll figure out what they're going to do with the rest of it. But, look, you can't, you, can't, you can't blame him. He did his thing for a couple of years. He got paid, and yeah. he didn't do much after that. Yeah, there's uh, thousands of guys yeah. that I think would have taken the Chris yeah. Davis's oh. career. Um, that he had. Yeah, there you go. One guy in this room at the uh, the very least. Uh, a Baltimore Orioles connection in some sense here. Jake Arrieta, who started his career with the uh, Orioles and obviously figured things out in Chicago. Uh, he was uh, let go by the uh, Cubs today. Uh, put up a 6.88 ERA Ooh. in uh, 20 starts so far this year. Obviously not the guy that he was back between, you know, 15 and 18. Kind of similar to Chris Davis, where there was a four-year stretch. Right. I mean, from a pitcher side of things, this guy might have been the best right-handed well, pitcher yeah, in all of baseball. It was stuff, location. Yeah. It was late break. He was the one guy for me that you started talking about the, the tunneling of pitches and how long the tunnels were. It was very t- tough for, for hitters to figure out what, which was which. And, you know, when you add that and, and power and location and, and combine those two things together, you mentioned it, that, that four-year span. But it's, it's again, it's we, we talk about the Shohei Otani doing both sides of the ball and how short the windows are. Yeah. Well, you got to make your money when you can make it. So it's, you know, it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how Otani tackles that. But, you know, the, these guys made their money. And that, that's, that's the one thing you, you try and do. You got a window. You try and make as much in that window, and, the, and both of those guys did that. Absolutely. Uh, Jake Arrieta, we'll see if he uh, lands anywhere at this point of his career. So we've got about five minutes left here. Back to tonight's game. Jose Barrios, Shohei Otani. What are you expecting out of this matchup tonight? Well, Barrios got to be great. Uh, Otani's going to do his thing. He's doing it at home. You know, he knows how to pitch in that park. Ball does, doesn't carry great at that park. You know, he keeps it out of the middle of the strike zone. He's going to elevate it. He's got the good cutter, the good slider. You got a bunch of righties in there, and you, somehow the the lineup against him has got to get him off of something. You know, whether it's not chasing one of the pitches, whatever you know, get him out of sequences, something because he gets in a groove with the power that he has, the confidence he has. You know that that again, Barrios got to match him. They, mm-hmm. they somehow got to figure out how to get a bloop and a bomb. You're, you're probably not going to string together four or five hits against him. It will take a hit batter. You know he, he loses, like you mentioned, he will walk some guys. 
So he maybe he'd walk a guy, Vladdy come up, get a ball out over the plate, a hang on slider, oh, oh, maybe somebody runs into one and, and they continue to to have some confidence with the rotation. But it's a good matchup for him. This will tell you where you're at as a, as a lineup, where you're at mechanically, you know, how you're handling the high velocity and the, and the tunneling and the stuff that comes after the velocity. So I expect a really good game to answer your question. Yeah, it's probably going to go the opposite. Every time you expect Probably. a game. <laughs> It'll be 10 to 8. 10 to 8. Otani <laughs> yeah. and uh, Barrios yeah. are out by the yeah, third. The curveball won't work yeah. and the fastball command's not there and he's throwing 91. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Might not be great. No. Uh, but, uh, hey, we just want to, to see the Blue Jays get a, a victory tonight. And, you know, Jose Barrios, we, we heard it from Latroy Hawkins earlier that this guy is uh, a competitor. And, you know, we've seen it so far in his first couple of starts. It's honestly the defense that has stood out for me. I mean, this guy's right. athletic. He is. went on the mound, and he is a, a, one of the better infielders uh, in all of baseball when it comes to a, a pitcher side of things. And, and you never really think about that stuff, that you've got a guy. We saw Alec Manoa make yeah. that great diving yeah, play right. to get that ball. First. Made the back throw to first. It. But he got there. I he mean, 6'6", six, six, you got a long wingspan. You got a lot, a lot of long limbs to get there. More of a fall than a um, slide, I believe. Yeah. He might have yeah. been trying to dodge that barrel that but was to your, uh, but coming But to your point, you, you, with Barrios, you can see it why helps. he can throw the yeah. he can throw the breaking ball as much as he does. He can throw the sinker. He can throw the fastballs, repeating delivery over and over and over again. And when you're that athletic, when you do something wrong, it allows you to fix it quicker. So you don't do it as many times, and that makes you a better pitcher. So he's really good. He's he's. You'd rather see him than a guy like a Thomas Hatch or anybody else they've been pitching other than Barrios, yeah. in my mind. Yeah, I mean, they've got their core four at this point, and Steven Matz as the uh, the fifth starter. I think that's those are your guys yeah. for, for the rest of the season, um, barring any injuries. Uh, we heard from Joe Siddle as well. He's expecting the lefties in there tonight. So oh. You would think Corey Dickerson's going to be out there. Reese McGuire going to be doing the catching. And Bravik Valera. I mean, what, what do you see when you see Bravik Valera, who's come up and you know hit 300, to me, he's the classic. I mean, he doesn't do anything to hurt you. He's like okay yeah. in the field. There he you go. gives you a decent at bat, can put the bat on the ball. Kind of Joe Panicky in that sense. But, but what less, do you make with of less him? power? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's got a lot of pop. You can tell the bat, the the A to B, the snap with his hands is not really there. But it's the same righty and lefty. It mm-hmm. doesn't look any different. It, it looks like a level swing gives him a chance. Yeah, you know, I'm right with the, the the defensive side of it. The ball right at him, he'll make those plays. The special play, probably not. The footwork, side to side, in and you know the the strong arm, the, the accuracy, of the arm. I think what he does for me, he makes an Otani. Do something different. He can't get in a groove against the righties. Now you mix in the lefty. Now maybe you'll throw a cutter. Maybe you'll throw a splitty. Give him something. Now you're working with four pitches instead of two pitches. Yep. Should be a lot of fun tonight. It's Blue Jays. Angels coming up at 930 here on Sportsnet 590. The fan Ben Wagner has the call. Of course, you can watch it on Sportsnet. Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez. And don't forget on the radio side of things after it's all over. Jays talk with Josh Goldberg and Show Ali. Jose Barrios. Shohei Otani tonight. From Anaheim. For Kevin Barker, I'm Rob Wong. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Enjoy the ballgame, everyone.